Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest gospel worldview. Let's get it. What's up, Chad? What's up, Josh? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. I'm gonna have to. We're gonna change it up a little bit. I'm gonna have to let you do most of the talking today. Change it up. Just kidding. You always do all the talking. <laughs> so that was a joke. I don't think that's. No, my voice is. It's coming back. It's on the mend, but it. You're like a good garnish and a good spice, though. You make it better. You know, you add a little, little taste to it. I'm more than a spice. I'm, a, I'm more like a sauce. All right, I'll give you a sauce. I like sauce. Come in large quantities. That's right. <laughs> I'm like the chicken. You're like the hot sauce. Yeah, because with the with the with the garnish, it's on there. Like yeah. you can't get it out. But with the sauce, it's on the side. It's there when you need it. <laughs> do a little dip. You could do a pour if you want. Yeah, you can. You if know. you can handle it, mm-hmm. well, you might just want to dip. Now you can get it tossed in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Speaking of first topic. Take it or leave it. U-G-L-Y. You ain't got no alibi. <laughs> you know what? I'll take that because I'm going to give you props. I like that little little lead-in. Yeah, it was from an old cheerleading chant. Yeah. Back in my football days. When you were a cheerleader? Oh, uh, if I was a football player. Oh, uh, yeah. They cheered for me. Sure. <laughs> they said, U-G-L-Y. <laughs> you ain't got no alibi. You ugly. <laughs> no, so uh, this is going to come off terrible. Okay. The way I'm gonna say Perfect. it. Perfect. It's a good way to start. And <laughs> I'm not. This is not clickbait, but it's just you know. I just want to get get the topic rolling. So why does God make ugly people? Oh gosh. <laughs> why? Why did I take this one? <laughs> I'm not even sure what kind of question that is. Well, what does that even mean? How do you define ugly? That's for you to decide. But you know, like some humans. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's think of the extreme. Like you ever look at um, a skin disease sure. webpage where yeah. you're looking at different skin? I don't ever look at it, but Ooh, I, that's hard. Yeah, some people would definitely have some struggles for sure. And when I was in, when I was training to be a medic for the Navy SEALs, mm-hmm. the top medics in the world in the military, yeah, that was the one thing that got me mm-hmm. woozy. Yeah, I can't skin. I'd never be able to be a medic at all. Uh, I could I, handle bones and blood, no problem. Mm-hmm. Crunchy bones. Broken bones, squirting blood, I'll fix it up. Yeah, man, for me, it's humans. I can do animals. You know, I've slaughtered pigs and hunt. And I can do all that, but there's something when it, when it becomes a human and I see like a wound, it, I don't know. I, I can't handle it. I don't <laughs> like it. You just got to, you got to ease into it. The first time, the first thing I ever did for a medic was I, they took my, um, blood or whatever. Mm-hmm. They like, we were practicing IVs. I passed out three times in a row. Yeah. Just boom, boom, boom. So I was like, oh, I'm not set out for this. And then by the end of it, yeah, know, I was good to go. Well, I give two different answers because you kind of ask two different questions. One, one is like just how someone's designed. Another one's like if you end up getting something that's harsh, you know, like a disease. The first is the definition of ugly. Like that's not, that's a worldly concept, I think. 
God, everybody's made in God's image. So uh, the definition of beautiful is defined by God. And if you're made in the image of God, you're, you know, you are beautiful. And as far as like being attractive to everyone or certain people, uh, that's that's in the eye of the beholder, if you will, you know. But is that biblical? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Is that not, one of those not, things we just say? Not that part. Yeah. The, the part about being made in the image of God is biblical. And so, who are we to say that someone's not beautiful by the way God's designed them? So that's not. I think that's a a worldly attitude that we we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And I take your leave it where actually the world um, reduces everything down and actually like there's takes, one way to be beautiful. It takes away creativity. It takes away beauty. Actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus, and we look at things biblically and we see it in, in, as everything is created by God, for God, for His glory, in His image. Then we were able to actually have a much broader idea of beauty. And I think that that's right. So Isaiah 53, 2 says, He had no former majesty that we should look at Him and no beauty that we should desire Him. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus. Oh, the Savior. Talking about in as far as like the worldly version, like he wasn't a, a king or he wasn't in the world's eyes. He was the king of the world, but he was a carpenter, just a kind of came. You out don't of think that has means. to do with his physical attractiveness? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it's talking about that. I think it's talking about more societal um, prestige. The question is, this will answer it. When we get to heaven, mm-hmm. how different people will look because Phys- we'll have new bodies. Yeah. So then you'll see because of ugly is if you have ugliness that is a result of sin, it will be gone. So we're going to see. I don't think I don't think what you're talking about has anything to do with sin or not sin. Um, now, as far as um, the the unfortunate issue of the downfall of of man because of sin, you know, sin came to the world, and there's there's uh, natural disasters, there's brokenness, there's diseases. Those things are. Um, a result of sin and God redeems those things. And, and for some, there's a, a greater struggle, right? You know, if you end up with something like, um, I, th- I think about Justin Peters, the pastor, you know, and I think he's got, what is it, muscular dystrophy or uh, what is it he's got where he's, yeah, he's in a wheelchair. Cerebral palsy, cerebral palsy, yeah. Maybe. And for many, you know, the world would say he's not a beautiful person, you know, because, you know. Because he's broken. Yeah, but. He doesn't work right. But man, he's he's such a warrior for God. He's he's an awesome awesome pastor, a great great man of God, and he's working through that struggle and those trials and that struggle has caused him to have more faith and and you know so. Um, I think the Bible is clear that trials cause you know for the especially for the believers it causes us to lean into God and to be refined in the Lord and and this is a temporary home you know so for for Justin Peters I'm sure he sees that as all right, this is this is what I'm given in this life, but this is temporary. This is not forever. This is what my lot in life, but it's used for God's glory. It's beautiful in that way, right? Yeah. So God redeems and, and creates beauty out of all kinds of situations, you know. So you would say, and this is kind of more so to the first point, mm-hmm. that the reason, quote, unquote, quote, unquote, people are mm-hmm. ugly is because we don't see rightly. Yeah, absolutely. Not necessarily... There are some people that are more attractive than others. Yeah. No, I think that's a very worldly We have been brainwashed how to view Mm -hmm. attractiveness. And that's also, you know, you see the fruits of the flesh in Galatians uh, starting in, I think it's 17. Galatians 5, 16 through 24, you see the fruits of the spirit and fruits of the flesh. And that list of the flesh, you see sexual immorality, you see sensuality, you see these, these types of things which 
really are very shallow. It's very mm-hmm. much just uh, a physical craving of your own flesh. And so in that vein, we as a society, as the world, begins to define things as beautiful, quote unquote, because it stimulates one maybe sexually or more in sensual ways. And so we see that as better and more attractive or, or whatever. Yeah. Right? That's a very worldly thought. I mean, you think about this too, you know, some people, you know, if they're poor and, and ruddy, even though if they're physically attractive, they're still seen as maybe not as attractive, but then all of a sudden they make a lot of money and start dressing nice and all of a sudden everybody's attracted to them. So yeah. it's not even, it's not even always physical. Yeah, they have those makeover shows. Yeah. They'll take like a homeless vet and make them attractive. Right. And so, I, you know, like I said, I think it's a very worldly idea. Yeah. Um, now, is it is it good to take care of yourself and all that stuff? Sure. But you know you also rejoice over what god's given you whatever that is mm-hmm. you know and because you're made in the image of god and that's what matters good okay next topic let's eat i don't know i'm scarred from the first one well if you don't take this one you're not gonna want the next one that's for sure <laughs> i don't know if that's a lie to goad me into the next one you need to study game theory bro because i'm well versed in it you're yeah not. Yeah, I get you right where I want you every time. Uh-huh. I could just not take either one of them. No, you only got one. Oh, <sighs> I guess the they say the devil you know is better than the one you don't. So I'll take this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is about um, feasting. Yeah, we have a lot of feasts coming up. We got yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, Thanksgiving. We Christmas. got. Christmas, we got all the leftover mm. meals in between. Mm. We got the Halloween candy still hanging around. If yeah. you haven't thrown it out yet, like we have. Yeah, we have. <laughs> um, yeah, everyone started getting sick, and Bruce like, all right, ca- candy's gone. Yeah, vitamin we, C, vitamin D, you're up. <laughs> yeah, we we do. Um, we, after the night, the kids get to rifle through all their stuff and pick out their 30 favorite pieces of candy. 30 pieces. And they put it in a Ziploc bag, and they get to have that, like, one a day or whatever. Who came up with the number? We just we just did it as like uh, the month has like thirty or thirty one days. We're like, all right, you can have like one for the next, you know, you can pick from it over the next month, but like one a day, not not a handful of candy. And then so, we then we donate the rest of it either to like student ministry or like get rid of it. Yeah, something, something yeah, like we that. definitely brought all ours out to a big college fall fest. Yeah, just get rid of it. Um, okay, so you see in the Bible, mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible is really like especially the Old Testament, but even in Jesus' time, it's kind of, it revolves around a lot of Jewish feasts. Mm-hmm. Their weddings lasted like a week. Yeah, Passover, get the Feast of Booths yeah. in John 5. I don't know what that is. The tabern- Feast of the Tabernacles. Yeah. There's these times of remembering certain things in their history, right. but it revolves around food. So we have a few you know, um, feasts coming up for us. How do you... Um, how do you view food and how do you how do you call Christians to view food in these times mm-hmm. of just abundance and yeah. you know gluttony? Well, stewardship is always the key, right? Everything God gives us, it's about stewardship. So, our time, our bodies, our money. And Paul says it clearly in 1 Corinthians 10:31, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God, right? So, in every choice we make, we have to do it to God's glory. And when it comes to food, we cannot glorify God on both sides. We cannot glorify God in gluttony, overeating, overindulgence, looking to it for comfort, right? All those things. The other side is also true. If we're, if we're not 
eating enough if we're withholding because we're trying to look a certain way or we're trying to you know overly thinking about every little thing that we eat and eating too little because we're trying to get a certain image that's also not stewarding well and that's not being healthy and that's not really thinking about god's glory it's thinking about yourself so just like with money you know we can hoard it or you can overspend it and there's all kinds of aspects so the heart really really dominates that answer when it comes to feasts yeah we see plenty in scripture where the feasts were times of remembrance times of celebration and it's a good thing to remember the things of the lord and celebrate i love thanksgiving in my house i've made a rule we're not allowed to start celebrating christmas until the day after thanksgiving Mm. the reason why good rule the reason why there's, there's there's a more that's not Pastor Sam's rule. There's a more thoughtful reason, and this is just my rule. It's just, this is not like a, you're unbiblical or biblical if you do it this way. This is why I do it. Um, one, it's it's for the fact that I don't want to be sick and tired of all the Christmas music and movies and celebrations before we even get into December, right? Because you know I love those. I love those things. I love the decorations. I love Christmas. As we should as Christians, I mean, it's celebrating the birth of our Savior. Like, we should. So I don't want to be tired of all of it by the time it's actually time to celebrate it, right? right? Number two, though, the other reason why is Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays because it's only about being thankful, mm-hmm. remembering what the Lord has done, remembering, you know, the things that you have and being thankful for family and friends and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to look past it, mm-hmm. you know, so that's why. I've kind of set that rule in my house of like, you know, I'm not like a tyrant about it. You know, my wife, she's already listening to Christmas music in her car and stuff. And I'm not like, you can't listen to it. Right. I just mean like, I don't want our house to be fully decorated like holding for her accountable. Yeah. I just don't want like, every time I come home, there's Christmas music playing. Our house is already decorated. We haven't even done Thanksgiving yet. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. But the point is, because the Thanksgiving is one of my favorites because it's only about the feast and just being thankful and celebrating what God's done and just being thankful for what you have, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think there's a lot, you know, really good stuff for that. Now, of course it can be just straight gluttony and, and you're not really thankful and you're just eating till you're getting sick and watching football and not even caring, not even being thankful. Right. Right. You can can definitely not celebrate Thanksgiving. Enjoying the ability to be lazy because you don't have work. Yeah. So once again, that, that all comes back to the heart because, I got nothing against watching football on Thanksgiving or, or having a feast, but it's more about why. And um, when it comes to feasts, it should be about, first and foremost, the why. Why are we celebrating this? What's it about? An opportunity to remember all that God has done. Obviously, Christmas is a time to really reflect and remember the birth of our Savior and the gospel and making sure to use that time. You know, We do an Advent tree ornament thing where every day we're sitting down with the kids and talking about kind of from genesis all the way through of the promise of god and and how it culminates with the birth of jesus and, mm-hmm. you know easter celebrating the resurrection of christ you know the feasts are really good when thought in those ways and then when it comes to just your body it's it's not bad to have a feast and eat a lot but it, that can't be your norm right <laughs> you know and really the the idea of feasts were to bring people together. That's because right. They didn't have a ton of food in those days. Right. And so this is a time when it was all like the harvest was over probably yeah. and they were able to have a lot more and food. And everyone was contributing, you mm-hmm. know, bringing together, 
you know what they could and stuff like yeah. that so for us it's in our culture it's more like the celebration of like hey we're alpha work for a little while we can really like enjoy <laughs> yeah. each other and spend an extended amount of time yeah. you know with people that we don't get to see a lot of and that's that's a that's a big place for that it's a good thing yeah you know? so taking advantage of that rather yeah. than just you know looking absolutely to food and football so i'm I'm a big fan of feasts. I think the Bible like gives us a lot of uh, instruction on what those feasts are about and how to view feasts. But you can't be feasting every day, you know. <laughs> you gotta, gotta steward your body well. A little bit of feast, a little bit of famine. You know, never hurt anybody. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you should be fasting and praying. You know, there's that side of it, right? And Jesus did this perfectly. You see, he's he's the perfect man, and he always had enough. Like he had times of fasting and praying. He had times where he was at the feasts, and he was, you know, like. He's a good example, you know, of just he he had what he needed. Yeah. You know. Well, the essence, I think, is like, well, yeah, what you just said is probably better. He had what he needed. Mm-hmm. But he just held it with an open hand, you know, like yeah. if he had food, great. Right. If he didn't. Now, of course, he's God. He'd go 40 days without it. And, you know, to be fair to everyone listening, he was God. So, of course, he did it perfectly. Yeah. But that's the point, right? He should be our example to look there and we're constantly trying to be sanctified toward but he did it perfectly with the same struggle and weakness of the flesh that we had, mm-hmm. right? So he had the same temptation, rather. Yeah, yeah. So not to take away from his... Um, Deity. Yeah. Yeah, so he's our example, you know. And uh, we're not going to be perfect because we're not God. But we have the Holy Spirit, we have the Word of God, and we should be constantly boy. Sanct- being sanctified towards Christ's likeness, right? All right. That's all we got for take or leave it. All right. <laughs> Well, that one wasn't as bad as the first one. Although I think we redeemed the first one, but it's pretty bad. <laughs> it was pretty bad. All right, today we're going to talk about anger. Yeah. So this will be um, helpful, I think. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at culture and how we see anger just all over the place in this outrage culture mm-hmm. and just look at the heart, the human heart, and why it's so prevalent in mm-hmm. everyone and then hopefully you know, give some help mm-hmm. to Christians uh, to first see anger for what it is and then right. repent and um, transform to God's word. Yeah. Form. Well, let's begin with begin us the definition of it. Let's define it biblically and then we can kind of work from there into practical. So there's, there, there is righteous anger. I'll start there because I, I already know somebody's being like, but Jesus got angry. But okay, let me just show you what the Bible says about it. It says, be angry and do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger. What he's, what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians 4, and if we look at Christ when he flips the tables or when he would rebuke the Pharisees, it was righteous anger, meaning the anger is the, the indignation toward sin. Like it is not right. It's the justice of that sin deserves wrath. Like that's, when you see something happening in our world, you see, someone being abused you see you know something that's obviously against god and his character it will stir up in you a a conviction or an anger if you will but then our instruction is be angry and do not sin so we should not um, respond in anger it's not fighting fire with fire we we respond to anger with the gospel with love with maturity with godliness with prayer um we see that, you know, a couple of quick examples, you know, many of you go to our church, you know, our church is really planted out of God putting on mine and Sam's hearts, this 
this burning passion for hedonistic areas and and there's a there was some righteous anger of like man this they're just running rampant and not oh you know there's no good theology there's no biblical teaching here and so that drove us we didn't come and blow the place up right right we said man what it needs is a gospel and it, it caused a broken heart and it caused us to have conviction and drive to come and be faithful to the lord and try our best to plant the church that we felt he was calling us to plant yeah and then nehemiah project that's another thing like looking around seeing addiction issues and suicide and abuses and all these things and and no one's speaking truth into it in a counseling way and, and counseling biblically and so that spurred mike and i you know uh mike linstead a co-founder to want to do something about it right um so we're battling in this spiritual war um that's uh ephesians 6 talks about that we're battling against spiritual forces and so we do see this as a wartime battle as um as a fight but not in a sinful angry type of way but in a way of just combating with the means that god has given us to combat with the full armor of god the spirit of truth preaching the word teaching the word sharing the gospel counseling the word and so um so the feeling of anger isn't always sinful right right especially if it's towards something that we should be angry about biblically i think the person that jumps to that example of jesus Mm. being angry is um maybe under misunderstanding their own sin and the fact that Jesus was sinless Mm -hmm. and for us to jump to that example to, Oh, I can be angry because Christ was angry, but he he had no sin and you have a lot of sin. So you got to be way more careful. Mm -hmm. Not, I mean, the the saying is true, but we got to be way more careful. Right. So now let's switch to like the point of that text was not to show us that we could be angry. Exactly. (laughs) It says to be angry, but do not sin. Um, and that's, that's the, the juxtaposition there. Like, okay, I feel angry towards these injustices. What am I supposed to do about it? Yeah. And the Bible should be our instruction on what to do, not react out of our own flesh. Right. Your anger should rarely be directed at a person. Yeah. It should be directed at the sin and suffering that Mm. is in the world, you know, because of Satan. And we see that even in our own lives. If you're, you know, married, husband, wife, or you have kids or, even your friends, you know, they may do something sinful and it causes you to be upset. But then your your mindset has to be, my my fight isn't against them. My fight is against the spiritual forces, against the sin. And I should come alongside and fight with that person right? Uh, in terms of like fighting against the sin and rebuking it in love and helping work through it. Not being against, uh, you know, our spouse or our friend or our children. So <clears throat> now let's switch to um, unbiblical anger, which is more what we deal with on the day to day, right? Cause, um, <clears throat> many of us, you know, we're, well, not many of us, we are all sinful. And, um, and so this is what we're going to be battling more than, than righteous anger. Yeah. And so James four really does the best job. There's many other places in scripture, but this one does a great job of just really laying out the why behind anger, yeah, uh, unbiblical anger. So it starts in James 4, verse 1. It says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? 
You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So just to break this down, first, where we see that fights and quarrels come from is our sinful passions that are at war within us. And the context here, if you if you look at it, everything I read, it gets to that aspect of loving the world, which makes us opposed to or in enmity with, direct opposition with God himself. Right. So then when he goes down here, he's saying you, you, you desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet, cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. And then it says you do not have because you do not ask. In context there, we can understand what he's saying is we, we never stop to ask, what does God say about this? Is this right? Should I even want this? Mm-hmm. We're not even asking those questions. We're just angry because we're not getting the thing that we want in our flesh. Right. That's what he's talking about. And then he says, then even when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask wrongly because you're just doing it to spend it on your own passion. You're just wanting God to serve you. You're not even seeking to worship and glorify God in that asking. Yeah. And that's where he goes into calling us adulterous people and then that we have a friendship with the world. And then he explains it even more in detail where he says, if we have friendship with the world, we have enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God, that direct opposition. We need to understand that in sinful anger, we are literally closing ourselves off from God and making ourselves enemies, like going in direct opposition to his will, his glory, everything. Mm-hmm. That should cause some fear within us, right? Like this, that's not something just to be like, I got a little bit angry. Like there's a bigger thing happening there. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to say that uh, uh, in verse five, or do you suppose it is no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Uh, reading the commentaries there, because I, I did a sermon on this not too long ago, um, John MacArthur, in his commentary, pointed out that this has less to do with exactly what it's saying there. He yearns jealously over the Spirit, although that has purpose there. That If we're Christians, we have the Holy Spirit within us, meaning that we're grieving God. But what he's the bigger point he's making is, you've even forgotten to even look at the Scriptures. He's saying it more a little bit sarcastically, like, don't you do you not suppose that it says this or wait you're not even looking at what it says right is what really the context here like to go back to that first point of you're not even asking god you're not even seeking the lord you don't even care what god's word says about this mm-hmm. you're just fighting one another for what you want showing and exposing the underbelly right. of of anger is you're right. not even trying to be conformed to scripture mm-hmm. and so then we can conclude this little quick bible study with here's the issue, it's pride. Like that's the issue of anger, it's pride. Self-worship, wanting what you want, wanting things on your terms, how you want them. And if someone breaks what you want, you get mad at them. Or what you expect you should have in that coveting, right? And it says God opposes the, the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then he says, submit yourselves therefore to God, meaning to God through submitting yourself to the word and everything else that comes with that. 
And he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Remembering that friendship with the world means that we're, we're really following Satan because if we, Ephesians 2, who's the prince in the power of the air? Who's the one who's, who's running the things of this world? Right. Satan. So we have to understand this is going back to that spiritual warfare. You are fighting against your own flesh and you're fighting against the temptation of Satan. Yeah. So if we draw near to God, we'll resist the devil and look at this promise. He will flee from you. And then he says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And that's the promise. As we repent, as we stop thinking we know best, as we actually ask rightly, and we go to the Lord and seek his glory, that's where we draw near to God, and Satan will flee from us. Well, we won't serve our flesh, and we'll be humble, not proud. And God, the promise is, God will draw near to you. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but and we can talk about this more practically, but man, when I'm in, when I'm in my flesh, one of my, one of my default emotions is anger. Mm-hmm. You know, I relate to James four so much, you know, that's me. You know, when I'm, when I'm in my flesh, when I'm in default mode, when I'm not really thinking, uh, biblically or, or really have my mind set on the Lord and I'm just wanting to serve myself, wanting to have whatever I want to have in that moment, my default emotion is anger. Because it's interrupting what I'm wanting at that moment. Yeah. Um, and man, I I want to, <laughs> I want to be one who repents quickly and draws near to God. I don't want God to be opposed to me. I want I want His grace. I want His mercy. Right. Yeah. Which the only way to that is through humility. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know. Yep. I can relate. I mean, the biggest way this shows up in my life is just with my children. Yeah. I don't think like I don't get angry towards people as much. I'm more. In my sin, I'm more of just overcritical yeah. and judgmental. Mm-hmm. It's under the surface. I don't really get angry. Um, but with my children, for whatever reason, I hold them to a higher standard mm-hmm. and expect them to right. obey and behave perfectly all the time. And when yeah. they don't, it causes anger. Right. Um, <clears throat> and so I've been using this, this great little book called A Little Book for a Big Problem by Ed Welch. Mm-hmm. And it's 50 very short daily readings yeah and it's very scriptural ed welch is a biblical counselor Mm -hmm. and uh super helpful and the way he made it or the reason he made it 50 um 50 different short devotionals Mm -hmm. was because it's something you really need to think about for a long time yeah it's it's a behavior that is so embedded in us Mm -hmm. that we can't just like it's not like smoking where you just yeah. quit one day. Right. Well, I guess some people would say you got to quit smoking over a long period of time. But yeah. it's not just a habit you put down. Uh-huh. Right. This is uh, something that's very embedded into our nature. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you talked about the reason behind it is pride. Mm-hmm. Wherever it comes up, it's because you are deciding that your ways are, you know, more right. supreme and mm-hmm. they're right. And it doesn't matter. There's no second opinion. <laughs> and if people aren't following them, you're going right. to resort to you're literally becoming judge jury executioner like you become god in that moment yeah when when you see anger sinful anger cropping up in you what you can know because we talk about all the time what you believe is what you do Mm -hmm. your actions reveal what you're worshiping in that moment you are god in your own mind yeah that's what's happening which makes sense that it would play out in your home because Mm -hmm. as the father you you probably feel like god a lot of the times right yeah but it's it's revealing one of your pride. Mm-hmm. But really, I mean, pride is probably the the root. But right. 
it's it shows the deficiency of your relationship with God. Yeah. How little you're talking to him. Mm-hmm. And that's been the greatest help for me. Yeah. Because I've tried to get rid of anger for years. Right. And so what, what's been being helpful is this idea of like, why aren't you checking in with God before mm-hmm. you're angry? Like, just assume your anger is coming from sin and pride. Right. And that you need to check in with God and yeah. ask why. Yeah, why, examine your heart. Am I... Am I desiring a wrong thing for my kid to behave well? Am I being inconvenienced? No. My wife, she's a good helper. You know, that's what her role is. Yeah. And she'll ask me, you know, especially, you know, over the years, you know, I can't say that either one of us were very good at these kind of things when we were first married. But now she's really helpful in terms of if she sees me getting upset or angry, she doesn't get angry at me or start a big fight. She'll just come and gently ask me and say, I just want to ask you. Are you inconvenienced or are they actually doing something wrong? Like, yeah. are they, you know, she'll start asking me those questions, which we talk about all the time. Honesty is key to humility, right? Mm-hmm. When I, so when I step back and examine my emotion of anger and I actually look at it, it's like, yeah, they're just being kids. They're not really doing anything necessarily sinful. They might be being loud or being maybe a little bit disruptive, but they're playing or something like that. And really it's just, I wanted some quiet time and they're interrupting it and yeah. I'm, I'm upset. Right, and same with me, like, they're, they are misbehaving, which is disobedient yeah. and dishonoring to the Lord. So, I want to correct that. Right. Now, do I think that that correction happens immediately? Right. Like, do I think that just because that is what God's Word says, mm-hmm. that it should happen immediately right now, and if not, I should be angry? And that's where a right thing becomes a wrong thing because of the way that I'm mm-hmm. going about it. I mean, look at how patient the Lord has been with us mm-hmm. as he grows us slowly. Right. right? So why aren't we just as patient with our children? Well, and James speaks to anger a lot. If you go to James chapter 1, he, he addresses it again. And this is kind of the functionality in those terms um, of what you're talking about. It's like, okay, is my anger actually going to produce godliness in my children? Like even if they are being yeah, sinful, good point. am I going to produce godliness by responding in anger? You're going to produce fear. Well, here's what James says. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. All right. Well, that's pretty clear. If I'm trying to teach my children the scriptures as Deuteronomy 6 tells me and try to, and I'm trying to mold them into godliness... Well, one thing I can know 100%, my anger will not produce righteousness. Right. <laughs> so what then shall I do, right? And that's where we do biblical discipline, which is different than responding in anger, yep. right? Where we come calmly, we rebuke in love, we teach. Consistently over weeks that, and weeks right? and months and years. And then if they're still being disobedient after we've taught, then they, they receive the consequences of it, but we still dole out the consequences in patience and, and in love, right? Like, right. That's what it's supposed to look like. I fail at it all the time, but yeah. that's that's what we know the Bible says, which goes back to your point. I need to be talking to God through that in order to be able to have the patience because I need his strength. I can't, I'm not going to do that in my own strength. Yeah, and that's one of the things uh, I learned recently is he just said talk, and then he mm-hmm. had a short little excerpt on talking to God. And that's my like anchor. So when I'm about to get angry, I just try to remember talk. Mm-hmm. Okay, I need to check in with God. So the verse that uh, he gave to support this is Hebrews 4.14. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, weaknesses, but one who is in every respect, sorry, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace Mm -hmm. that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That needs to be our uh, our cry, our talk, our prayer, our anger instead of our anger. You know, we're wait, wait, okay. I need to be, I feel like I need to be angry right right now, but I need to check in with God. Mm -hmm. He's gone through all this. Mm -hmm. He can sympathize with my weakness and he has a word for this. Yeah. And so let me go to the scripture. Absolutely. And, uh, um, we know that once again, emotions are not something to be followed, but examined. Yeah. Right. Our our hearts, our hearts are deceitful. James seven or, uh, not James. I got that in my head. Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17 talks about there's you know the heart of man's more deceitful than anything so mm-hmm. i can't i can't trust my emotions but i need to examine them okay i'm feeling angry why what am i wanting right now what am i desiring mm-hmm. is it true is it biblical is it god honoring and if i just take a moment to think through and is questions. my behavior going to produce the things that right right not angry no right and so when you just take a moment to ask those few quick five questions and if you're honest with yourself, you'll really quickly begin to see where you need to repent, where you need to adjust. Then what should I do? Because if your children are sinning, yes, I need to deal with it, but I need to deal with it biblically. Yeah. You know, so, and that's true of relationships. You know, if your friend sins against you, Matthew 18 tells you to go to them, you know, and talk with them about it. And hopefully that results in repentance and forgiveness. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's all kinds of instructions of how to deal with sin biblically in love and so we need to seek the lord and when we're feeling angry we need to examine our hearts and then respond biblically um but then to take it out a a little bit more meta if you will we see exactly what james is saying to this church here playing out in our world today um more and more it seems that our country is divided there's all kinds of cancel culture there's all kinds of outrage and really now it feels like anything you see or listen to in every genre every category there's some sort of outrage going on at the time yeah and that's really it's this it's like the go-to emotion yeah it, you see it on social media you see it in our media you see it in sports media you see it everywhere like the whole the whole thing is about what's, any popular news commentator. It's yeah. probably because they get angry at something. Yeah. What's the next thing to be angry about? And yeah. why are they angry? Usually because the way they see it's not to be right is not happening the way they think it should be happening. So therefore they're angry. They're literally doing James four. Right. Right. No one's sitting down having a honest, logical discussion. No, obviously in the world, no one's bringing the Bible into it and actually seeking truth. Mm-hmm. Right. But even even in that way, it just shows the depravity of man and the foolishness of all that. I was I was telling you before we got on a good example of this. You know, obviously the vaccines and COVID and all the outrage, all the stuff around that. But now there's so much outrage towards Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of the Packers, who was the MVP of the league last year. Right. And they're making all these assertions and assumptions about why he didn't get vaccinated and how selfish he is and how he's this and how he's that. And he came on the Pat McAfee show. It's like the only place that he would go and talk about it because it's the only place that he could actually talk and not be, you know, interrupted. And, man, he had such a very honest, logical um, look at it. He he did a lot of research with doctors. He has an allergy 
that his doctors actually said wouldn't he could have a reaction from the vaccines. One of the reasons why he didn't do it, mm-hmm. he's not an anti-vaxxer. He's not for him or against him. It's just he just was thinking about what's best for him, right? Which we should all be able to do. And they're saying that he lied to the the media and lied to the Packers. He didn't. The Packers knew that he hadn't taken a vaccine. He was. Uh, doing all the protocols of any player who isn't vaccinated, wearing masks inside. He's doing all the stuff. Um, and then he got COVID and he's out for a game and everybody's just mad because one, he's selfish because now he couldn't play in the game. And then, and he doesn't care about people's safety and he doesn't care about, and really when you listen to all those commentators being outraged, they've just believed that the hype of that vaccines is the cure all and everybody should do it. But if he would have got COVID with the vaccine, he still would have missed a game. Well, the rules, which is also ridiculous, by the way, which uh, we can go into that. But the rules are if you've if you've been vaccinated, you get COVID. You've just got to have a negative test before you can come back. So it could be two or three days. If you, but that doesn't count if you didn't have the vaccine. You still can get a negative test, but not come back. Exactly, you still have to do the full ten days, regardless. Doesn't make any sense. Exactly. I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the point, though. Is, but everyone's outraged calling him selfish, calling him risking people's lives, all this kind of stuff. None of that's true. Because, by the way, he probably got it, in, it, according to him, because he's literally locked himself away so he can play. The only places he even goes is the facility around everyone else who's vaccinated that doesn't have to wear a mask. He's wearing a mask. The only place he could have got it was probably from a teammate who was vaccinated. And if the vaccine's so effective, he's not risking anyone's life who exactly. has the vaccine. And you know these people don't care about the right. unvaccinated. And you know, they're like that's another point. illegal alien. Like if you're vaccinated, you don't even have to get a test, but every two weeks you can come into the facility, no mask, whatever. If you're not, every time he comes to the facility, he has to get a test. He has to wait in his car until it comes back negative before he even goes in. So like every time he's been in the facility or anything like that, He's he's been negative. Yeah. Right? And so, so someone else in the facility who didn't have to get tested because they were vaccinated uh-huh. spread it. Exactly. It yeah. makes zero sense. It's all about money. It's all about it's just your life will be easier if you get vaccinated and the teams and owners just want everybody to do it so their their lives will be easier. Yeah. But none of it's actually true, but there you go. You see you want what you want, so now everybody's angry and outraged and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, no one cares about Aaron Rodgers' health. Uh, health. Like, no one's even saying, like, yeah. is he okay? How's he feeling? <laughs> That's a good point. And the other side, of it, he's on Pat McAfee two days later feeling great. Right, <laughs> apparently negative. Yeah. he um, And he did, you know, with doctors, just like with Joe Rogan when he got sick, he he did those same protocols, took the ivermectin, took the a couple other things. And he's like, I felt bad for the first day. And then after that, I feel great. He's like, I could go work out right now. I feel fantastic. Yeah. Like, he's fine. He's healthy. But no one's even asking, is he Is he sick? Is he really hurt? Is he whatever? The good, a good point there, like, unrelated to anger, is uh-huh. if you're not going to get vaccinated, then you should have um, a, a good defense for that um, that doesn't revolve around, you people are stupid. I know. <laughs> I don't need it. Like, you just need, like, good reasons to support right. why it isn't best for mm-hmm. you. And you can mm-hmm. cite the reasons of your own health. Because right. that is what this is all about, you know. And I'm using this supposedly. example because, I mean, it's sports. It's not the biggest and most important thing in the world. But I'm just using this as a as an example of the right. culture we live in. Yeah. Where... There is no logic. There is no seeking the truth. There is no caring for the person. It's complete outrage. It's complete anger. They're doing the 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 attitude of 
the first one there where you desire and do not have so you murder they're not actually killing him but they're trying to kill his career and kill, kill his reputation because he didn't do what they wanted him to do they desire they don't have so now it's just yeah. let's just well, pile on murder his reputation exactly which is that's what this but hey that halo effect is going to prevail for all <laughs> ar but it's just I mean, he's um, he's not too worried about it, obviously. And uh, the Packers, he's the MVP of the league, so he's going to play when he gets <laughs> when he gets yeah. back. So it'll be fine. If not, he can come to the Saints, man. <laughs> hey, we'll take him. <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of like the you know how Australia when it was formed, it just took all the criminals. Yeah, we're we'll, like we'll take him. Well, let's make the Saints that. Like <laughs> or, we'll take Cam Newton, put him at wide receiver. The city of New Orleans is kind of crazy about it right now too, although our state isn't, but. Where he, where he could go is any any team in Florida because they couldn't care less. <laughs> yeah, true that. <laughs> so, but they, he doesn't need to go to the Bucks, but maybe Jaguars. Carolina. You know, yeah. Okay, oh no, that's not. I was supposed to say something really stupid. <laughs> Miami. That's what I was trying to. Say. <laughs> no, I said the same thing because they used to be Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Miami. When did they move to Carolina? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, there's Carolina and there's still Jacksonville Jaguars. What's Carolina? Oh, the Panthers. Panthers. Yeah, I, I was about to say something dumb. I stopped myself because I, I am an idiot. I was thinking of Miami. I Dolphins. said it. I was so thinking of Miami. There you go. That's and they, they you really and need help. They really need help in Miami. So you know. Yeah. True. Uh, anyway, we digress. It's a silly example, but it's that's the point. Is it's so silly, but if you turn on ESPN and then they talk about Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, everybody's killing his reputation, calling him selfish, calling him reckless, calling him. And that's not true at all. But overall, too, it's just a good way to look at culture through a biblical lens, which is when mm-hmm. you see anger and outrage, right? Like you can question that. Like, what's what's really going on here? Right. What do what do they want? Like, right. what are they quarreling, fighting about? Yeah, you know? are they actually upset about God's glory and the truth, or is it one group not getting what they want and fighting against everyone else until they get what they want? Yeah, right. and you can know that their anger is not going to produce the righteousness of God, so Absolutely. it's pointless. Right. So my my big moral of that story is just don't listen to too much stuff out there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally don't listen to hardly anything. I only got that one because I just happened to be checking on a game and just saw it. Yeah. Um, but most of the outrage I'm usually oblivious, oblivious to, but I can tell you every time I do check into one of them, they're all stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, that's good. Hopefully this episode was helpful. Yep. Positive and encouraging. Deal with your anger biblically. There you go. All right, people. Later. Later. Thank you for listening to the Change Up Podcast. This podcast is made possible by The Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. If you don't have a home church, please come check us out. We have service times at 845 and 1045 on Sundays, and you can find more information at thefieldnola.com. If you found this podcast to be helpful, please share it with a friend or family member and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other people just like you find us.